Hello and welcome to Deluded, the Melbourne Demons podcast. Neats, this episode is a little bit delayed. Do you want to explain why? <laughs> uh, it's not that interesting. I had some pain yesterday and so I very um, <laughs> rashly took a tramadol which kind of knocked me out because it's like an opioid, isn't it? Yeah, which you didn't know at the time you took it. You just kind of popped it as is your approach to painkillers. Yeah. And so anyway, so I was out for an entire day um, just basically lying spread eagle on the bed. It, yeah, you were pretty woozy. It was pretty surreal. It was um, really quite embarrassing. Yeah. And, and the funniest thing about it is at some point after about five hours of lying down in this woozy state where you're completely incoherent, I walked in. And you're lying there with this disconsolate expression on your face, watching the replay of Melbourne Collingwood. Do you know what? That's what you do when you're doped up on opioids. You you watch um you watch Melbourne Collingwood, a replay of Melbourne Collingwood. But I, I stand by that decision. That was the smartest decision I made all day. That's definitely true. Um, what about that win? Jesus, didn't see that coming. I mean, I, th- I thought there was every chance we'd win, but that was a destruction. It really was. And look, it really, I think, highlights to me that Look, we can't ignore the fact that Collingwood's injury crisis is is really quite at a breaking point. Right. Um, they really have no forward line at all, and they look totally lost going forward. Um, and it was pretty telling because I didn't think that the midfield battle – I didn't think that we were dominating in the, in the midfield or anything like that. No, the stats were pretty even. I mean, I think they won contested possession. They won clearances. They won inside 50s even. They, they won inside 50s, exactly. Um, but they look like us. They look like they had absolutely no – well, what we used to be at least, where we had no method or system or process for going forward. It was like, what, what are they actually trying to achieve here going forward? Yeah, completely. And the thing that was interesting about this game was just our ruthless efficiency. Um, you know, we had a 50% scoring rate going inside 50, which means that every second time that the ball went into our forward line, we, we scored. Which is quite ridiculous, really. It's for us, very it's un-Melbourne. absolutely on Melbourne. You know, I mean, I think um, the thing that really struck me is the disposal efficiency was at seventy-seven percent, which mm. was extraordinarily high. Yeah. Um, we are never usually at seventy-seven percent. We were kicking unbelievably well, I think, um, and and choosing the correct option on pretty much all occasions, which was something I found start- staggering. Totally, and that was really exciting. And look, I guess the question mark is. Is that replicable? Um, because there is a little bit of a risk, I think, sometimes when you're that efficient that you're relying on on that. Um, and, you know, teams have been able to do it like Hawthorne, for example. Um, it was a very Hawthorne-esque performance, wasn't it? Against yeah. one of these like workmanlike teams. And we just looked a lot classier. Right, right. Kind of losing the hit outs, but knowing that when we get the ball, we'd use it better and finish better. So right. it is really interesting. I'm not quite sure how sustainable it is but I mean keep in mind that Collingwood going into that game was the number one team in the competition for defense right um they restricted opposition scores better than anyone and I don't think they'd really lost all that many players in their defense I mean they still had Darcy Moore I mean look Lyndon Dunn was coming back in um, and looked a little bit lost, but a lot of their players were still there. No, I agree. And they play a very good team defense as well, which is mm. something to remember, but that team defense looked to we be... Just blew straight through it. Yeah, exactly. Um, one question for you, Kieran. Is Angus Brayshaw the barometer for how this team is going? Because since he has started to improve his output, all of a sudden the team looks like 2018 all over again. It looks like a lot better, a lot more systematic. Um, we're getting more um, efficient inside 50s. We're getting more um, you know, uncontested possessions. All of a sudden the team looks a lot stronger. Is Angus Brayshaw the barometer 
or is he is is it a causal thing or is it a correlation thing? Is it just that well, when the team is flying, he's flying? Well, that's my question. It's hard to tell. Yeah, is he the reason that we're playing better, or does he play better when the rest of the team is going? And it's very hard to pass that out. But I mean, there's clearly a direct link between his performances and how we're going. Um, and you know, he had a great game. He had uh, six score involvements. I think 15 uncontested possessions, which is great because we need him on the outside. And I also will say that, you know, kicked a great goal, obviously, mm. from outside 50. But I think that what's interesting to me is people have talked a lot about how our mid, you know, Petrarca's had a great season. Viney's had a good season. Oliver, except for some games, has had a good season. And Gorn has obviously been a superstar. But yet our midfield hasn't actually looked all that impressive all year. I would say that our midfield started to look really impressive um, in the last three weeks, really, like the sort of midfield that works as a cohesive unit um, and it hasn't necessarily just relied upon, you know, talent or flashes of brilliance from certain people. And so I would say that um, the midfield has started to gel a lot better since Gus has started playing well. So maybe he is the, t- the secret to the midfield, at least, working as a functional group. I think there's something to be said for that, to be honest. And you know I've been a bit of a Gus skeptic over time. Huge Gus skeptic. You're like a Gus denier, actually, I would say. (laughs) But one thing he really does is um, he runs very aggressively forward when he gets the ball, which I think kind of spreads the defense a little bit um, and forces the midfielders out of position. So, you know, he definitely adds something different. And so far it's worked. I mean, let's be clear, though. Like his three good games have been against, you know, Adelaide, North Melbourne, and a very wounded Collingwood. So I think we need to see this against some of the good teams. But yeah, it's very impressive. I I would make a case, though, that another barometer for our team is Melksham. Um, And he's someone who, you know, has really struggled as well since 2018. In the last few weeks, he's been so much better. And this week, I think he had eight inside 50s. He's such a crucial link man. Um, and I think what he's adding is shouldn't be underestimated either. I agree with that. I mean, I think we forget how good Melksham was in that 2018 campaign, Just not just with his, um, you know, kicking a couple of goals a game, which he was always pretty good for, but just in terms of his score involvements and his kicking into the forward line, it was really exemplary, I think. So, uh, you know, Melksham definitely has lifted. I want to talk about Sam Wiedemann because the question has to be asked as to why he was not in the team and why they were preferencing Mitch Brown over Wiedemann at the start of the year, um, which obviously shows the fact that they they weren't convinced by him at all. But his aerial performance against Moore was, was excellent. And and I think he's crashing packs really well. He's actually, I was going to say, something that doesn't get mentioned a lot is while his aerial abilities are great and he's he's generally kicking more or less goal, a couple of goals a game, it's his um, it's his field kicking, which I'm very impressed with. He's actually a very good field kick and a very good um, kick into the forward line and he makes very good decisions. Yeah, absolutely. He's looking fantastic. And to be honest, the reason I thought um, that we might go down against Collingwood because I th- was because I thought Darcy Moore might shut down Wiedemann, but Wiedemann didn't get shut down at all. He looked really competitive. Um, You know, I wouldn't say he was like dominating the whole game or anything, but he was making a really big contribution even when he didn't get the ball. Um, And yeah, and look, maybe the coach should get some credit for holding him back because he has been interviewed and talked about how he wasn't playing aggressively enough. um, And, you know, when he came in, he really had gotten a very clear message about how to play. I mean, it's hard to say, really, but I mean, just thrilling to watch him watch him deliver. It really was. I was I was extremely impressed. And look, I mean, I still don't know about the dynamic between him and Tom McDonald. I'm still a little bit confused as to how that will play out. I think Tom McDonald just, in some cases, it looks like he's getting in Wiedemann's way a bit. And we mm. really need Tom McDonald, I think, at the moment, if he wants to stay in the team, to play kind of like a decoy forward role, I would say. 
Yeah, that's really interesting. I think that's probably right. Although the one thing I'll say about Tom McDonald um, is that he he really looked like he was getting in better positions and nearly marking. If you go back and watch some of the some of the goals, you'll see that Tom McDonald nearly takes a big contested mark, and someone like Spargo cleans up and kicks the goal. So. You know, he's looking more dangerous, and obviously that's a function of the team playing better because all forwards are going to play better when the midfield's playing better. But, you know, some promising signs from Tom McDonald, but I agree. I think he should get out of the way of Wiedemann as much as possible. I think so. Wiedemann's just in great form, and he loves being the number one guy. And, and it's funny. I mean, I think there's got to be something to be said for the fact that he's been earmarked as being sort of the second as a second forward his entire career thus far. And this is the first time he's ever been given the opportunity to be the main man. You know, when Jesse Hogan was in the team, he was always going to be a sidekick to Jesse. Then we thought that Tom McDonald would be the main target and he would be a sidekick to Tom McDonald. And now he's, this is the first time he's been the main man. And I, I, you know, it's great. It's awesome to see. And it's awesome to see him evolve. Yeah. I think he just relishes that in the same way that Gorn had this massive progression when he got the chance to be the main guy. Some players just really like that. So yeah, very exciting. But Meets, my big question for you is this. How good are we and how excited should we be? Because if you read the forums right now, <laughs> you've got the most ridiculous kind of 180 where a few weeks ago people were like, sack Goodwin, we're terrible, we're all done. And we probably were in that camp a little bit. And now people are like, everyone who disliked Goodwin is completely wrong. They're ridiculous. This team is amazing. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. It's it's completely head spinning. What do you think about where we're at right now? I think we're somewhere in between, which I know is a very sort of, you know, middle ground um, kind of split the baby position to take. But that is the position I am taking. And I think that the players feel the same way. It was funny. I listened to Angus Brayshaw being interviewed um, on the Sunday footy show. And that's what he said, basically. He was like, yeah, look, this is still a work in progress. We've obviously improved over the past three weeks, but our forward mid-connection and fixing those problems is still – we're still trying to figure it out. So, look, I think that we haven't – we've beaten two teams, which really I think are not up to AFL standard in Adelaide and North Melbourne, and we've beaten a decimated Collingwood who really were – as bad as as bad as they could have been. Right, and um, the Adelaide and, and North Melbourne game, we should remember that deep in the third quarter, the scores were pretty much level. Right, um, and fantastic how we ran the games out, and maybe it's a testament to Darren Burgess as well. Um, but those were not super convincing performances. I don't think. No, I wouldn't say so. And I would also say that in the like, even if we look at the Collingwood game, I mean, they lost Myacek and they lost Ben Reed. They really did lose any semblance of a forward line at all in that game. So their injuries are are absurd, absurdly bad. Right, right, right. And I think we're the third best team in the comp at the moment on uh, injuries. Which is great. And it's Uh, a real testament for the the fitness staff and for Darren Burgess. Right, right, right. And to be honest, I'm I'm just trying to think, what important injuries have we had? We've obviously lost, lost Gorn for a game. Have there been any others? Am I, am I missing any? I mean, I think Luke Jackson going out is obviously... Luke Jackson yeah, is no, your example. No, no, no. I mean... Come on, Needs. He's played like four games. Yeah, so. but he's already... I think he's already kind of... Maybe not a walk-up start to the team, but someone you would definitely... Right. Earmark as someone who would probably be in the best 22, don't you think? Sure. But, I mean, let's look at other teams. Like, no, of course. Losing, like the Dugowie types. No, of know, course, yeah. of course. I mean, Dugowie yeah. hasn't been having a great season, to be frank. But, like, yeah, totally, I agree. I mean, I think that we've we've done very, very well. And it's a real, especially yeah. in comparison to last year where the surgeries and the injuries and everything about the year and preparation and training and everything was awful and it was a mess, really. But looking glass half full, it does give us this – very, 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 very outside shot at 
a flag this year. Maybe. Uh, I wouldn't go that well, far. Well, I mean, l- let me make the case for it, right? So there is a little bit of a 2018 feel right now. And obviously it's early. And I think it all comes down to the next two games because the Dogs and the Saints, I think, will give us a decent test of where we are. But we've already played the entire top six except for the Saints, right? So we could very much get on a roll like 2018. And then if we if we have a good injury run, like every team looks a bit shaky with injuries right now, right? We're one of the few teams other than Richmond that have had a pretty good injury run. No, Richmond's actually has, hasn't had a great injury Richmond run. Richmond has had a very good but injury run. But they've lost like Cochin and Martin and – no, they lost, sorry, Cochin and Nankervis and Prestia and – and well, I guess Edwards and um, Hooley weren't in the team because of personal reasons. Right, but, and a lot of those players are coming back. Yeah. Um, and it's not even clear that Nankervis would necessarily come back in. So, yeah, I mean – Teams, teams like like Richmond have had a pretty good injury run. I think they're second in the in the AFL injury ladder. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think we could get rolling. Look, I don't know if we could beat um, West Coast. I don't know if we could beat Richmond. Um, Geelong looks ominous, although we nearly beat them. But you know, we could end up finishing say fifth and then win a couple of finals, and every, anything's possible. So yeah, I mean, I think that. I, I think it's too early to, to. I think it's too early to tell, just That's given how true. poor we looked at the start of the year, and given the fact that the Port Adelaide loss was only three weeks was only a month ago, so well, not even a month ago, it was three weeks ago or two weeks ago, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, so I'm not ready to sort of suggest that yet, but yeah, I think that the. But team, if we win the next two games, if I we win the next good. two games, yeah, I'll be a lot more positive about it. And look, I don't really rate the dogs that highly. I'm not sure about you, but they look pretty flaky and a bit like us, to be honest. Where yeah. they can look amazing one week and then just look shocking the next week, and their forward line is still a little bit of a question. It's still a little bit of a mess. I mean, I know Aaron Norton had a good, amazing game on the weekend, but it was against Adelaide, and um, they are very midfield reliant on on everything. Their entire team is their midfield, really, and so. You know, I, I sort of am not sure. Yeah, totally. Well, time will tell. But Neats, what made you smile this week? Spargo. Charlie Spargo. Three goals in a quarter. And it was always nice to see a little man succeeding on the big stage. You know, I feel mm. like all my life I've been told I've been too small, um, mostly by you, Kieran. But, <laughs> I, um, you know, it's always nice to see a little guy do well. Oh, I agree. And good on him. I mean, you know, he's had a, he had a, he's had a shocking time since 2018. Most of the supporter base have gone off him. Mostly probably you, including us. Oh, please don't pretend that you've. Been you've on always said that you thought he was being. You've always said to me he's too short to play AFL. He's okay. just too small. Well, some of our loyal listeners, the Warren Stampies of the world, who listen to every episode, will be able to call you out on that need on our Facebook page because you've never given any love to Sparta <laughs> until he kicked these three goals. But yes, very good performance. Hope he keeps going. Um, for me, it's Stephen May. Um, you know, we've been skeptical of that. Mostly trade. me. Yes, uh, but you know me too. But what's really impressive is just his closing uh, speed against both smalls and talls. Um, he really does look like a super versatile defender. Um, very impressive. His kicking has gotten better. I mean, this week he had ninety three percent kicking efficiency. And though he does make the odd mistake, I think it's good that the coaches give him license to take on some of these kicks. Uh, you know, it might go really badly in a He's really very important creative, moment. But, yeah. You know, but you know, he really does. Um, bash the ball forward uh, at a rate of knots. Uh, he's got to be top three in the best and fairest, right? Yeah, I mean, I think after Gorn and Petrarca, I can't think of who yeah. else would be really vying for that spot except Stephen May. Yeah, exactly. He's just been so consistent. And to be honest, I, I still maintain, I don't think Lever's had that great a year. No, I don't. I don't think Lever was that great in this game either. Like if you look back through the game, uh, quite a few of Collingwood goals came from Lever turnovers. So May's had to do a lot. Um, and I think he's been excellent. So yeah, good on him. Um, Nitz, this week's Rowan Bale Award for Most Underrated Performance. 
Yeah, it has to go to Juicy Prucy. I think that I was very impressed with Pruce. Um, and not just because... Juicy Prucy, I like Juicy that. Prucy. Yeah, I just thought of it just then. Hopefully it catches just on. Just ripping but, off Juicy Prucy yeah, from, uh, from the Bulldogs. Yeah, exactly. So now yeah. Juicy Prucy it is. Very so good. look, I was I was impressed by him. He really did. Um, you know, I, I don't think he beat Grundy. I mean, he had seven hitouts to advantage and Grundy had 10. And I think Grundy probably did have the better of him in the ruck competition. But I think ultimately his work around the ground and he really did sort of at least equal and level out Grundy, which is something which which is no mean feat. Um, granted, Grundy's not in great form. He's playing mm. quite poorly, and I think... And in fairness to him, he played four games in 13 days. But, you know, real challenge for Proust, coming in off no game time, um, playing these random, I don't know, 12-on-12 12 12 practice games. Right. Um, no, I think he did a good job, and I was impressed. And look, I mean, I do feel a bit sorry for Proust, because I do think, <laughs> I think that... Does. Yeah, I do, because, you know, he hasn't looked that bad at AFL level, but the fact of the matter is, is he's just never going to get hmm. a gig over Gorn, or even with Gorn, to be honest, because I yeah. think Gorn is always just going to be the number one man. But and, and Jackson, in a way, has kind of taken his role, because the, the theory, which I think we all thought was kind of bullshit, was that Proust could be a second forward um, regularly and Jackson has done that really right and Jackson just looks more athletic and, and yeah. better obviously so you're not going to deny Jackson of that role um, but I do feel a bit sorry for Bruce and I do hope that you know in this offseason um, as much as I really like him I do hope that he ends up going to a team because I mean imagine him mm. at GWS he'd be playing every single week without fail yeah. um, they're relying on Jacobs who's super old and pretty banged up and then and Mumford who's entirely banged up so yeah. you know it is a it is a real shame for Proust that he can't be playing in a regular team each week given that you know he's shown that he can actually do okay at AFL level and I think he is the type of player who maybe if he was given like a consistent run he could actually cement himself in a team kind of like Pittenet did yeah. at Carlton like yeah, actually yeah. have you know an opportunity to be a to be a, a full-time ruckman. I agree. I think he's a very high caliber backup ruckman, so it absolutely suits our interests for him to be on the list. But I don't think anyone could um, criticize him if he wanted to leave, to be honest. No, not at all. Um, okay, Neats. The Bulldogs game. This is a massive, Huge. massive This is an eight-point game, game really. I think, I think the Bulldogs are kind of a bit like us, you know, like they've got a really exciting midfield. Their forward line has been shaky. Um, and they're a bit of a kind of a flaky team that can, when they're on their best, be, look better than any team in the competition? So look, I think that uh, in terms of the dogs, so English is a big out if, if he is out. That's going to be massive. And particularly if Gorn is still out and Bruce is, um, is forced to do the rucking, I think that that will make it a very intriguing ruck battle with who, I don't even know who their backup ruckman would be. Yeah, no idea. Yeah, no idea. So I think that um, Bruce, you know, let's assuming that Gorn is still injured, which might be the case, but it's unclear. Bruce stays in the team. I think Vandenberg. I mean, we have to question his selection. I just think that he's having too many clangers. He really is not a great kick, and I like the fact that he brings a hardness to the team. But right now, we need some more class. Yeah, I think he went to thirty-three percent disposal efficiency. Sorry, kicking efficiency, which isn't great. Once again. Um, who do you think should play on on Norton and Bruce if they bring him back? I think that we need May to um, to play on Norton and and to really nullify him and take him out of the game because I don't have that much confidence in the rest of the Bulldogs' um, forward line. So I, I you know I'm actually kind of comfortable with the rest of them. It's just Norton who could really eat us alive. What do you think? I think that's right. I think if Bruce comes back in, then we have a question of whether we want Lever and Bruce because I actually think that's a really bad matchup. I think Bruce is too big. I think Lever's better off playing on the next forward. Or on no forward. <laughs> or on no forward. Um, so 
I mean, I don't know. Tomlinson could be drafted into defense. I think Tomlinson has given us nothing in the wing. Um, but um, yeah, I would play Tomlinson. Should we put a tagger on McRae? Yes, I think so. And I think Harms did a really good job on McRae a couple of years ago in 2018. So I think we should deploy Harms to that role again. I think Harms is a little bit role-less at the moment because he's been playing a bit on halfback. He's not getting as much midfield time, but I'd be happy to just, I don't think we're getting that much of him anyway. And McRae is in scintillating form this year. Okay. So what's your prediction? I think we'll win. I think we'll win by around 30 points. What do you think? Ooh. I don't know. I reckon this is going to be a super tight game because, you know, obviously they smashed Adelaide, which doesn't really say much. But I think they're a bit of a momentum team as well. And they did look pretty good. So, oh, I don't know. I'm going to say that we win by a kick, but I reckon it could really go either way. Um, But yeah, thank you very much for joining Deluded again. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, Join our Facebook group at Deluded, the Melbourne Demons fan community. Uh, And please uh, subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. But until next week, go Dees. Go Dees.